0: The other day I found myself at the Heidelberg Magistrates Court. I was there to support someone who was seeking help from the law. When you go to the court you put all your bags into a tray, just like at the airport, and then you have a full body scan and then you find yourself in a room filled with police and social workers and women holding distracted children in their arms. And there are various windows that you can go to to help you deal with the particular issue that has brought you to court. So we went to window number five and we spoke to a lady who filed some papers and then led us through into another room. This room was filled with women. Women who were waiting, waiting for the magistrates so that they could ask for the piece of paper, the order that would keep them safe from the father or the son or the husband or the ex-boyfriend. There were only women in this room apart from one very bored-looking security guard who is listlessly scrolling through his phone as he stood by the door. And I looked around at all of this and I thought of the suffering and all the trauma that had happened to these women and that had led to this moment on this day. And I thought also about the courage, the courage that it had taken for them to come. Our lectionary reading for today talks to us of Jesus being like a vine Now the lectionary, just to remind us, is a calendar from which we draw our readings each week and it can sometimes be a little bit confusing. I mean, just a few weeks ago, for example, Jesus was crucified and then he was raised and then we had the stories of doubting Thomas and the breaking of the bread and now all of a sudden we're back, we're back in time and he's in a room with his friends. It's before the crucifixion again Are you keeping up and you can hear the urgency in his voice. He's trying to get it clear to them trying to get it clear, everything that he needs them to know because he can hear the slow beat of the empire growing around him and he knows that time is running out. Before my mother died, I asked her a few times if there was anything, anything that she needed me to know, if there was anything she wanted to tell me. But both times she said, no. No, you. You will know what you need to know. You will know what you need to do. But Jesus, well, he, he's not so sure. He's not so sure that he has told his friends everything. And so, urgent story after urgent story is pouring out of his mouth. The kingdom of God is like this. No, the kingdom of God is like that. Look, look here now. This. And today, he gives us the vine. I am. I am the vine and you are the branches and it's like this perfect metaphor for connection for community but it is also a metaphor filled with warning he doesn't say I am the apple tree or I am the daffodil I am the vine and we all know that vines cannot grow without support and vines can strangle and vines can suffocate the supports that are beneath it so you have to be careful it's a warning And if the vine is not bearing fruits, you have to cut out the parts that are sucking the life out of the rest. You just have to cut them out. In the magistrates court waiting room, there was a young girl. She was 11 or maybe 12. She was dressed in clothes far too old for her. Strappy high heels and a dress too thin for the early autumn day. And she was filled with sweetness and with responsibility. She was caring for a small boy, age three, maybe four. He was super cute. This boy was desperate for his iPad. He had been playing on it incessantly ever since we went into the room and now the battery had gone out and he, he was furious. He was furious at the iPad. He was furious at the girl, this one who was loving him. And she, she, she didn't know what to do. And she sighed a sigh that all mothers throughout history have sighed when the child is out of control in the public space and they can feel the eyes watching them, judging them, And there was something about the rage of this small boy, his incomprehension that he could not get what he wanted when he wanted it and his flailing of tiny fists, his violent attempts to make his big sister fix things that stood out in this quiet room of women. Women waiting to get orders to be protected from men and it made me think of men and of young men lost young men who don't know and who have never been taught where to put these wild energies. And it made me think of the war, the war that we recognized on Wednesday and all those young men who were sent out into hell with only their wild energies and their animal brother love to protect them. In an ideal society, we are all connected into a vine Now, theologically, many used to think, and many still do think, that God was like some kind of external gardener. His job was to keep us all pruned. But for those of us who no longer believe in the intervening, judgmental wrath of hell God, it has become clear to us that we need to be the gardener, Holy Spirit, filled with spirit for each other. And being the gardener for each other, well, this means calling each other to account And this can mean teaching the parts of the vine which are toxic how to live in mutuality rather than destruction. But sitting in this waiting room the other day, I was struck again by how we don't seem to be very good at this kind of teaching, this kind of gardening anymore. Just recently, Australian writer Tim Winton shared of how he sees boys having the tenderness shamed out of them and of how there's this constant pressure on boys to pull on the uniform of misogyny, to pull it on and join the shithead army and of how boys and young men are so routinely expected to betray their better natures, to smother their consciences and to renounce the best of themselves and to submit to something low and mean. And it's as if there's only one way of being a bloke, one valid interpretation of the part and of how toxic masculinity is a burden to men and to everyone. It narrows men's lives, it distorts them, and that sort of damage radiates, it travels. Just as trauma is embedded, it travels, it metastasizes in families, and it goes down through generations. He then goes on to write, you know what? Slavery should have taught us this. The stolen generations are still teaching us this and misogyny, like racism, is one of the great engines of intergenerational trauma. The name of the person I was there with was called over the loudspeaker. Together, we walked through the doors into the magistrate's court. It was a small room, a simple room, There was a policeman and some clocks. There was the witness stand and the Bible. The magistrate read through the paperwork, asked a few questions. She was very kind. And then quite simply, but with great authority, she granted the order and I almost wept. In this moment, she was saying to this young woman, this young woman who was holding on to the edge of the witness box in shaking anxiety. In this moment, she was saying, what has happened to you should not have happened. It was not okay, it was not normal. It is against the law. And we, we will protect you. If she had been Jesus sitting around a table with his friends, perhaps she would have said, we will be your gardener. And we will stop the other parts of this vine from choking you. And we will tame them or we will cut them out. We will call this vine away from you. We will separate you so that you can grow free and strong as God always intended that you will grow. As we walked out together, I felt incredibly proud, proud to be an Australian with a court system that works most of the time, proud to be a minister of religion in a country and a denomination that allows women to be in equal leadership roles with men, which meant that I was able to be in this court on this day as a symbol of God's love and proud of this young woman who had listened to the God voice deep inside her, which had said to her, You matter. Oh, my love, you are beloved, and I dwell in thee and thee in me, and you, you deserve.